we were in transition, maybe one church going to another, and it was like a faith and grace. We got a lot of faith, we needed some grace. And That's good. Really balanced it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, since we're talking about that, that's definitely um, something that we, we need to stay on top of because it's easy to lean on one versus the other, right? Just like he said, if you if you lean too heavy on the law side, on the faith side, you can end up being legalistic to the point where your focus is not on what Christ did, but what you're doing. And all of us know as flawed human beings, we gonna mess up some stuff. And then all it takes is for us to may have one misstep and then we fall into condemnation. Or we're misinformed and think we're hitting all of the, the targets and we're doing everything right and then we get self-righteous. Right? And then you you go all the way at the end to the other spectrum where everything is grace. It don't matter what you do. Then you get to this passivity where it's case sarah, sarah. So you're just kind of like a, a, a balloon floating in the ocean with no type of no type of say so on what's going on. It's almost like this this psychological concept um, that we teach called locus of control. So basically, in the psychological world, locus of control refers to the the belief that how your your level of belief on how much impact you have on your circumstances. So somebody with a very strong external locus of control. Right. They feel like it don't really matter what they do. It's all based on fate or based on what's going on around them. Mm -hmm. It's all environment. Now, somebody with a very strong internal locus of control is the exact opposite. I'm the captain of my own ship. Anything that happens to me is because of me. Right. Now, as we know, just like. In the spiritual realm with grace and faith, when you are on one extreme or the other, you're in error. Mm -hmm. The truth is in the middle. Because the, the fact of the matter is, if there if it wasn't for God's grace, we couldn't that we there would be no faith to exercise. Mm -hmm. But same token, in order for us to partake of the grace of God, we have to have faith that. He is who he says he is. Just like scripture says in Hebrews, right? Faith. No, hold on. I'm getting it mixed up. I'm about to, about to quote James. <laughs> <laughs> says, where he says, is without faith, it is impossible to please God. But those who. All right, y'all gonna make me quote it. Let me go. Let's go to Hebrews 11 and 6. Now, we all off topic tonight, social media family, but that's okay. Hebrews 11 and 6. I'm not going to read this in the, in the King James. Oh, that works. <clears throat> But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So, grace has set the table. But faith is you believing in the integrity of the person who set the table and going to going and actually going to the to the dinner and meat and eating it. So in order to enjoy the fruit, we have to have both there. All right. All right, now we can jump into the lesson we supposed to be talking about tonight, mm -hmm. which is the last one in the Lessons from David series. Now the subtitle for the lesson tonight is Consequences consequences.
Now, that's definitely not a sexy title, but it's something that we deal with. Now, first off, though, when you hear that word consequences, what's the, what's the thing that pops in your head? Usually the bad side. Yeah, the bad side. it's usually you've done something, and this is this is this is you're getting you're reaping what you're saying. It's like the bad side of judgment because there's a good side of judgment and there's a bad side. Okay, all right. I say results. Results. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. That's 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 a good balanced look to look at it. Hey, but y'all good. When I when I hear consequences, I think about. I think about reprimands and, and belts and whoopings and, <laughs> and you know, the punishment, See, you know, stuff like that. Right. And that's, that's where my mind goes to. Right. But thinking about consequences, basically what Sister Kimberly said, results. Now, results can be good or they could be bad based on what has been sown. And the atmosphere around what was sown, right? So let's go to Galatians. Galatians 6. Galatians 6. We're going to start at verse 7. All right, I'm going to read this in the Amplified Classic. And it says, Do not be deceived and deluded and misled. God will not allow himself to be snared at, scorned, disdained, or mocked by mere pretensions or professions or by his precepts being set aside. He inevitably deludes himself who attempts to delude God. For whatever a man sows, that and that alone is what he will reap. But he who sows to his own flesh, lower nature and sensuality, will from the flesh reap decay and ruin and destruction. But he who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. Verse 9. And let us not lose heart and grow weary and faint in acting nobly and doing right. For in due time and at the appointed season, we shall reap if we do not loosen and relax our courage and faint. Now, it's a lot there in those three verses. Now, looking at verse seven, can you see how? We can interpret that as results being both a positive or a negative, depending on what type of seed mm -hmm. is sown, right? Now, it's interesting that we start, started the, the study talking about the balance between grace and faith. Now... If we, we think about sowing and reaping, and we, we take this to heart, can we get to a place where we can isolate the scripture and turn it into legalism in and of itself? You kind of represent sowing and reaping, mm -hmm. turn it into legalism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, you could kind of put, you know, um, I guess punishment is a tactic, but you can make it so that, you know, God is punishing you from that perspective, I guess, what she's talking about, as if God is the one that's punishing you or getting you back for something. Except that if you reap what you sowed, God didn't have anything to do with it. Right. He just made the law. Right, exactly. 
like gravity. If you choose to defy it, that's on you. Because <laughs> hmm. I heard a counselor say years ago, he says you, he said you can't pick your behavior and your consequence to. If you choose, or you you can pick your behavior, but like you said, there's a, the consequence is color. Yeah, it's it's attached to it automatically. But you can't say, you know what, I'm gonna do this, and I want this to happen. Well, because you know what goes around comes around. Right. You know, <laughs> I don't want I don't want this to happen. You know, the consequences may happen, but this is what I want to happen. So, but you can't pick your behavior. There's no there's a consequence attached to that right. thing. That if you know about it, either you you can choose to go ahead and do it. There's a consequence attached to that seed. <laughs> right. You can choose to go ahead and do it. Or you can say, you know what? If I do this, it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. No, I'm not going. You know, and that can be positive and negative. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, can you make that like an external law? Yeah. Rather yeah. than being led internally by the Spirit, you're more led by these laws. And I don't think that's the way we're supposed to be. Right. I think most Christians start out that way. But that's not who we are right. to sow bad seed. So. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, let's, <clears throat> let's push this further then. How many of us have done things where we should have reaped a certain consequence, but we didn't? Because you repent real fast and ask for mercy. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I can trust some kids. You don't always get, you know, what you put out there. But eventually you might, but yeah. a lot of times it didn't. I think sometimes God has mercy on you. He just, does. just stops that thing from coming back, especially if you're ignorant, you know? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because this thing is a little deeper than what mm -hmm. it may seem. Right. Right. Because the scripture says his mercy endures forever. Right. And when we talk about living in the balance of grace and faith, when we're talking about the whole concept of sowing and reaping, that is a that law is still subject to the law of love, mm -hmm. right? The law of life. In Christ Jesus versus the law of sin and death. That, that law supersedes that, would you say? Well, because at the end of the day, all of us are deserving of what? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Every one of us, based on two, two factors our DNA, because of Adam, mm -hmm. and because of our individual deeds. Right. So the scripture says, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. sin. He that knows to do right and does it not is sin. Yeah. Right. So this whole the whole idea of living in the balance of grace and faith and having a, a, a lens of what consequences are, you know, is 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 not as elementary as it may seem. Because and and that's proven by everything that we've just we've talked about up to this point when we talk about David. Because you look at David's life, it's all kinds of stuff that happened. But he's still recorded as a man after God's own heart. But now did he suffer consequence? Big time. Absolutely. Big time. He did. He did. But was God merciful? Absolutely. Because think about the whole situation with Bathsheba. Now, and Jesus had to come through that bloodline. That's, that's a big deal. Yeah. 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 Bathsheba, for their first child perished, but their second, second child became king. Superseded, you know, David, when David passed. But essentially, that was illegitimate to begin with, that whole situation. But yet still, God in his mercy, his grace, what he do? He blessed that child. 
you know, I'm thinking too, like even in my own personal life, um, I receive consequences. But the good thing is that I don't have to go through my consequences alone. Mm -hmm. The Lord is still with me to help me to get through the consequences. It's just like, say you have a young lady that has a child out of wedlock, right? And let's say she thinks that the you know the guy the guy comes in, he's he's sweet talking or whatever, does you know, and the the guy gets what he wants and he leaves, but the the young lady is stuck with the child. Now, obviously, that's a rough situation to be in. You young, don't have no support, and you got this child. So, you know, the consequence of that, the the relationship and the interaction is, you know, the child, right? But how many times have you seen God's mercy come in where people will surround the mother and give her give her support and help her to get herself educated and get to a better place where she can provide for herself and the child and next thing you know this child is growing up to be xyz phd you know lawyer what doctor whatever right when you look at the beginning of that situation it looked it looked difficult and bleak but in spite of how things began, God's mercy and grace can manifest itself. When I went through my trial, that's what one of the things that really had me uh, have a heart for single moms. I was a single dad with uh, three kids. And I had to get up, make their lunches, wash their clothes, take them to school, pick them up and go to work. And uh, there was not enough hours in the day and you were just tired all the time. And uh, with one income, that wasn't a whole lot of money, you know? I mean, it was, after that, my heart went out to single moms. Because I thought, gosh, and I, I had my mom to help me. And some of these women don't have anybody to help them. I mean, they're on their own. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's a tough thing. Yeah. And that's just one example. I know we think of, you know, a multitude. Now, so... Just to kind of get a grip, grab, grasp on, okay, what is a, how do we have a grace-based perspective on the concept of sowing and reaping? I don't know, good. I always look for the Lord to, to bring good back. What do you think? Go ahead, Kevin. Um, well, I was thinking about the whole process, seed time, harvest time, a lot in between. Um, you know, many times you hear, <clears throat> I've heard, you know, you sow seed, but you can pull the seed up, you know, before the harvest. Mm -hmm. So the seed never matures, so you never receive the harvest. So I guess you can look at that on a negative. You know, you sow bad seed, you haven't received the harvest. You can pull that bad seed up some. And I guess kind of sort of that's the case of um, the young lady mentioning having child of wedlock. You know, there's a lot in between, and it, it could be a tremendous harvest when initially it was considered poor seed sown, sleeping on, you know, having a child a wedlock. But if um, the mother conducts herself godly manner, sows good seed after that into the child, the child could bring the mother a tremendous harvest. As an adult, you know, as a lawyer, doctor, pastor, teacher, you know, what have you. That's good. So bad seed sown doesn't always mean bad harvest. If you pull up the seed, just like a good 
seed sown, you pull up that seed, it doesn't always mean it's going to be a good harvest. So to like what he's saying is even in the midst of what would seem like a negative consequence, God can turn it around for good. He can make good out of it. So even if we mess up, even if we do reap what we sowed, if we turn our hearts, he can turn it around yeah. to be a blessing. Yeah, that's where the grace come in. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> that's good. All right. Now, this, I, I, I like that, just that picture, right? Just thinking about the pulling up seed because that's a principle. Mm -hmm. Now, we're going to go to Mark 4, but I want us to go to Psalm 103 first. Okay. Hey, my favorite. Psalm 103, and we're going to look at verses 9 through 11. <clears throat> Psalm 103. Okay. I'm going to read this and King James says he will not always chide neither will he keep his anger forever now that word chide in Strong's means to, to grapple hold verse 10 he have not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. And I read verse 12 too, he says, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. And 13, like as a father pity of his children, so the Lord pity of them that fear him. Now, I can still, I walk in the fear of the Lord, right? But have momentary lapses of, of flesh manifesting itself, you know, walking in sin, right? So just looking at this, you see how, in spite of the law of sowing and reaping being in place, there's a place for God's mercy to manifest itself, right? So just thinking about that concept of that Kevin was talking about, pulling up bad seed, right? So let's go to Mark 4. We can do that. Mm -hmm. we, what we just did this morning. Right? We were saying, Lord, if we've spoken any ungodly, idle words concerning your health, we just pluck them up right now, break their power, so we won't be. So if the word is deceived, right, and my behavior is me walking out that what I believe in the moment, okay, what I'm what I'm what I'm believing on in that moment, right? So let's let's just think about this concept. The soul soul of the word, and these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. Now, let's say you you spent some time listening to some folks doing a whole lot of gossip. That's all the bad seed in your ear. Right? Now, can the same principle apply? that the enemy is using for the good seed here? Think about it. So the seed is sown. The word is sown into the heart. Immediately, the enemy cometh to take away the seed that was sown in the heart. 
He's real slow about taking away bad seed, though. <laughs> he don't bother the bad seed. He don't. comes with the good seed. Right. He don't. He don't. Right. But think about it. But if we're in a place where we can catch ourselves, can we do it? Yeah. I see that. So we talk about the whole concept of repentance. When you see, you, 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 you do something or you say something, something is sown, something is done. If I'm, if the, if I'm listening to the Lord and, and he can show it, he shows it to me, I can see it. Then there's an opportunity for me to turn. Right. Looking at verse 16. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive with gladness and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. Afterward, affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake. Immediately they are offended. Now, again, you talk about. The idea of seed, time, and harvest. So that's that's progressive. So this is this is why, and when I'm thinking about David and his life and how when he was confronted by Nathan with his sin, the way he responded to the word, the way he turned. Because he was definitely deep into some stuff. That whole progression with Bathsheba and, and Bathsheba's wife, that whole thing. But when the word of the Lord came, he responded. Now, can't with, with us, the more times we put ourselves in a position where the word is in front of us, when there are things that are not right in that have been sown in our own hearts or things that we've done, the word can can check us. But again, we have to be in a position to receive that. All right. Now I hope I'm not being too convoluted here. But I just want us to see the just just to kind of think about the rest to understand the the depth of God's mercy, you know, in the con and understanding that the concept of sowing and reaping that is a spiritual law. However, God's mercy and His grace is 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 not it. The law of sowing and reaping does not supersede the law of life in Christ Jesus. So even when we do things that are sideways, that are off, we, when we sin, we miss the mark, the quicker we are to respond when we see it, then we are in a better position not to reap the full brunt of that, that sin. I was trying to run away from God 47 years ago, and he wouldn't let me. I was telling him, stay away. I don't, I don't want anything to do with you. And, and I, I kept walking away and walking away, and he kept putting things in front of me and bringing me back. Stay here? Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Let's go back to, let's go back to Galatians 6. For he who sows to his own flesh is lower nature and sensuality, 
where from the flesh reap decay and ruin and destruction. But he who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap life, eternal life. And nine again, and let us not lose heart and grow weary and faint in acting nobly and doing right. For in due time, at the appointed season, we shall reap if we do not loosen and relax our courage and faint. Now, how many of you, how many of you have heard this this phrase used? That oftentimes, what happens to us, God will forgive you, but people won't. Yeah. Or they're gonna struggle with it. Or you won't forgive yourself. That's true. All right. So I think that's another layer of this whole concept here is that God has in Christ Jesus, he has forgiven us from, from all sin. So Jesus brought a consequence, a spiritual consequence from God. So there's no, there's no breach there anymore between us and him based on what Christ has done. However, if I steal five thousand dollars from Eric, he's gonna have a problem with that, right? <laughs> now, am I gonna be able to show up at his door and um, ask for a hot meal after I stole five thousand dollars from him? Yeah, after he finishes his study on how to love difficult people. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably right. oh, which is the proposed next topic. Yeah. <laughs> right. But think of it, but see, but that's a that that is a, a, a good picture, right? Of how to kind of to understand that how this this whole law of sowing and reaping and in the midst of God's grace and mercy. Because I can do something real foul to you. God has already keep forgiving me for that. But you, on the other hand, you're going to have to wrestle with that. Or vice versa. Mm -hmm. People have done things to us real foul. We got to wrestle with that. Yeah. Well, and even after you forgive them, there still may be consequences on the relationship. And it still takes time to forgive. And I think sometimes even with the Lord, he forgives us, but we may have lost an opportunity or a promotion or there, there are often consequences with him, but there's always forgiveness. Right. You know what I love, though? With having God's favor and his forgiveness and stuff through Jesus, he can, the door is open for favor. You know, like if something... I think I might have heard mentioning because I was on my way down. I was listening to the study with mom on the phone, which was really cool. But anyway, I was like, um, listen about, you know, like if, or maybe y'all can say, but anyways, I was saying about like if, um, you know, you have a baby out of wedlock or, you know, whatever, and, or, you know, it's like, you know, God forgives you. He's already forgiven you, but um, there's a baby. That's a consequence. It won't go away. We won't want a baby to go away. But however, you know, you have God who, of course, that's not going to go away, but he gives you favor. He helps you. Gives you the grace to, you know, know what to do to raise the child, all this stuff. And he's so good at taking junk and fixing something so beautiful, you know, a situation, I mean. So I was just thinking it's always good to know. It may not make something go away, but he can make something look just gorgeous out of nothing because he's so good. He loves us that much. Because he forgave David, but there were still consequences right. with Absalom and then, you know, in his life after that. <laughs> Yeah, and look at who became his heir. I mean, think about Solomon was the child out of a, a crazy situation, but he ended up being his heir. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's just amazing. I often wonder what it was like when David went to heaven and uh, Uriah was the first one he met when he came in. I think, I wonder, what the, I wonder if anything was said. <laughs> that's interesting. I mean, you wonder, how, how much stuff do you remember, you know, when you're there? and. How much matters anymore, right? Yeah, yeah. How much? Just so much of glory, like, yeah. Yeah, I guarantee you. 
You're right. I won't think about none of that. He had the lowest presence. No, no. Nah, he ain't think about none of that. Right. You know, now, and, and again, just kind of going back to this whole concept of the horizontal relationship versus the vertical. Because I'm, if, when, when I hurt you or you hurt me, I'm putting pressure on your flesh to respond in the flesh. And don't you, 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 you see how the scripture continually tells us to not respond evil with evil. Why? Because in order for God's mercy to manifest itself, then somebody has to be responsive to that command. But when I'm doing something to you or you do something to me, there is pressure that's put, put, been put on my flesh to respond likewise. So I'm, I, we set in the atmosphere for destruction when we sin against one another, when, we, you know, when these things happen. But now, okay. And this is, this is going to be a, I'm ready to hear what Brother Eric has to say when we get into this other teaching about how to love difficult people. Because when we talk about this whole concept of, of walking in forgiveness and consequences, right? It, it, it becomes real practical when you're dealing with family friends, co-workers, like people in your community, you know, because it's day-to-day -day life stuff. Now, let's go to 1 John 3. Let's start at verse 18. One verse 22. And I'll read this New Living Translation. It says, Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So we will be confident when we stand before God. Even if we feel guilty. God is greater than our feelings. He knows everything. Dear friends, if we don't feel, feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence. And we will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him and do the things that please him. Now you see verse 20. John says, even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings. And he knows everything. Now, if if anybody had to rest on this, it was David. Mm -hmm. Let me read this in the Amplified Classic. It really it, it expands it. It says, whenever our hearts in tormenting self-accusation make us feel guilty and condemn us, for we are in God's hands. For he is above and greater than our consciences, our hearts. And he knows, perceives, and understands everything. Nothing is hidden from him. I think the, the thing with that is, I think we flip it. Because, you know, when you, when you, as he said, when it's, when you feel him in your flesh, then sometimes it seems to overpower what the word says. <laughs> and you know, I mean, you know what the word says, but you know, you're feeling this thing, you're feeling it, you're feeling it, you're like, and you know, and it, it goes on for days and sometimes weeks, and you know, it goes and it comes back and you're saying, you know, but you know, God is 
being an offensive, you really have to. I guess that's one of the words. You got to really meditate on the scripture day and night. You know, when that feeling is just kind of overwhelming, trying to overpower. Pushing you to move. Yeah, pushing you to move. So you really have to just really meditate on the scripture and really believe what God says. You have to believe and, God, not what you feel. <laughs> and then I understand why, why it's important to speak in tongues, too. Oh, my God. Because that. Mm-hmm. I mean, Word then you got it. Yeah, you got to create experience. Mm-hmm. And put it in practice too, because I know um I was going through a situation with my boss, and it wasn't like two days; it was for a long time, right. and it finally broke. But God had to deal with me first because I'm the one who's the Christian, so I'm the one who has to walk in love, and I'm the one who has to choose not to take offense because they don't know no better. You know, and I'm not fighting my flight fight with them, not with their flesh. It's the spirit behind them that is coming after me, you know. And then once I realized that, I started submitting to God and resisting the enemy, um, telling myself I will not take offense. You know, it became like water on a duck's back. And it wasn't easy, you know, and I had to watch my my facial expressions, right. had to catch my attitude, <laughs> you know, yeah. but as I continued to submit to the Lord, um, it broke, you know, so for whatever reason, the enemy tried to come through her at me, now he's back down, and we get along, okay, but I don't trust the flesh, you know what I'm saying, I don't trust her per se, but I trust but my God and what he's telling me and how he's telling me on handling the situation, you know, so you have to prepare in your heart that you're not going to take offense, that you're not going to be offended, that you're not going to be mad for a suffered wrong. You know you're innocent, but they're blaming you anyway, you know, or lying on you, you know, and Christ is our greatest example as far as that's concerned, because for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He endured all the Pharisees and Sadducees and the headache ACs and everybody else, you know, he, he loved them still. I mean, he didn't come at them, but he still showed love to them. But he had a love that was not um, destructive. He told them truth. Mm. And all that he did, he told truth. He told the word of God. He walked in God's love. He always said, God is love. God is love. Have faith in God. You know, you said something there when you said the word trust, trust in God over your feelings. <laughs> And that's the whole key is just, you know, okay, I got to trust God's word or trust how, what God says is good about this versus how I feel at the moment right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is why Paul says what he does in verse 9 of Galatians 6. Let us, lose, let, us, let us not lose heart and grow weary and faint mm-hmm. in acting nobly and doing what's right. Because you can get tired. Of turning the other cheek. Yeah. Why I got to be why I got to be the one to always, you know, That's right. let stuff go under the bridge. Why I got to be the one? Forget all that. I want my flesh, I want to enjoy my flesh for a moment. But again, it goes back to this. Am I gonna allow God's word to have precedent? Mm-hmm. Or am I gonna give in to the flesh? Now Going back to John, First John three, though. Now, see, this is this kind of speaks to the how holiness helps us, like living in living clean. Because if you look at verse twenty one, says, "Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence." Now, when you know, you know, you're in a position where you're. You're, you're, you're doing what you can to submit yourself to the Holy Spirit and you're living a clean life, then the opportunities for condemnation are reduced. But when I'm in a position where I'm, you know, I'm, I'm falling, I'm, I'm, I'm in sin, then the enemy has more ammunition to use to accuse and condemn so it's a lot it's more pressure on your conscience to trust in god's goodness in spite of because you're looking at 
all that you've done. And he'll he'll and the enemy will put some self-righteous Christians right around you for that condemnation to continue to build. So you you now so can you see how John is 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 he's given us confidence that in spite of what we may be feeling, God is greater than all that. However, Amen. when we're in a position where our hearts are not condemning us, we can walk in a level of boldness and confidence because there's no, you know, the, the enemy doesn't have anything that he could, he could just dial up to accuse and condemn. I think living in the West, like we talk about sin as possible, it, it's not good for, you know, for us to live in sin anyway. And that's why God, like a father says, don't do that. Like, don't touch the hot stove, it's going to burn you, you know, or around the roads, you can get hit by a car. But I think, you know, too many times, too, you know, even when we dealt with someone, that's why he's making it clear here. It's because, you know, our condemnation is we can't walk it alone. And how, you know, the enemy wants us to go guilty. So we won't go to God, who is our help. Mm -hmm. We can't walk it, you know, it's God through us, not ourselves. Right. It's too many times when we say, I think we said a couple, past couple weeks, you know, some sometime recently, it's like, you know, church should be your God, you know, considered to be, you know, you can come as you are. And it's almost like you have to take a shower before you get in the bathtub. You know, it's like, oh, no, you have to be clean. It's like, come as you are, I'll help you. I'm the one who cleans you up. God, you know, not yourself. And, and that's why it's good that, you know, it's very, very clear. It's like, you're not condemned. Mm -hmm. I want to help you. I want the best for you. Right. That's good. Yeah. So, so God is not like a bad dishwasher. <laughs> he, he don't need you to, he don't need you to pre-rinse before you come to see him. Because he don't, he the one that's got the, he the one that's going to make you clean. Not you yourself, not us ourselves. Uh, no, all right. Now, I haven't done nothing with this outline tonight, so I'm going to pull some from this outline here. All right. So just thinking about David. It says, although the main issue was David's relationship with God, his sin unleashed a barrage of negative consequences that we, we talked about in depth. We would do, learn, do well to learn from them. It opened up his son to lust, and therefore one of his daughters raped. It opened up another son to murder. It caused a civil war and his own concubines to be defiled in the sight of all the people. So that was a lot. You know that what you just read that that says that consequences just don't affect you. Yeah. Oh yeah. It affected everybody it's attached to you. Yeah. Collateral damage. Yeah, collateral damage. And and this is why, you know, we need to pray for our leaders, people in a position of authority. Yeah. Right? It's not the enemy wants nothing more than to smite the, the shepherd. So what happens? The sheep can scatter. So Pete, the head, if you take a head of an organization, of a household, of a of a city or a nation, if if the enemy can get to him, then the collateral damage is going to trickle down. Yeah, but I think the enemy blinds us to that. You know, where it's just about us. When we're doing it, we're just thinking about us. We're not thinking about everybody that's attached to it. You know, how it's going to affect my parents. How it's going to affect my kids. How it's going to affect, you know, everybody that's around in the community, whatever the case may be. Or, you know, in, in our case, the body of Christ, how it's going to affect the body of Christ. So we don't think about all that. And the enemy blinds us to that until it happens. And then we say, oh, wow. Like you said, I don't really get a realization of, of all the damage that you've done. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really important, you know, for saying consequences. Like we said, it affects every, everybody. Um, sometimes it's, like we said, prayer for our leaders in the church realm and stuff, you know, a lot because. Think about how many, you know, religious ideas that we talk about here a lot can burn someone out. 
and a lot of it's came from you know like big time like ministries and stuff and I believe you know a lot mean the best but you know when Satan's deceiving we have to be praying you know like God is this your truth you know we want your truth because then it affects great multitudes instead of just a few people just kind of was thinking about that you know and then it just looks so bad on God <laughs> really bad and a big scale yeah, it takes the reps with it yeah exactly and I think we have accountability too to each other you know to walk up right before the Lord you know because it does affect each other, the body. When they say the toe hurt, you know, the, the, the foot's going to hurt. You know, the leg's going to hurt. The body of Christ hurts, you know. Because I remember I went through something and um, and the Lord told me to ask forgiveness from certain people, you know. And they're like, why are you asking me for forgiveness? <laughs> you know, and, and it was just the fact because as your sister in Christ, there was an expectancy of me to live a certain way, you know, and I made a mistake. And as, 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 as your mentor, you know, I'm asking for your forgiveness, you know, and that's humility. Cause I mean, it was like, you don't have to feel the forgiveness. It's just that you have to do it because God said to. Looking some more at our outline says, sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep mm -hmm. you longer than you want to stay, mm -hmm. and cost you more than you want to pay. But you need to recognize and understand that sin is a transgression against the Lord. You aren't trusting and believing God. This understanding will make a huge impact, huge difference in your level of integrity. That's right. You get to where you operate in integrity when whether anyone is watching, checking, or holding you accountable or not. You need to be God conscious and not man conscious. A person who is only doing what is right because it's expected of them and they're being held accountable for it doesn't have a heart after God. Now think about that. I love that. That's beautiful. Is that considered legalism? Well, eye service. You know how the scripture talks about eye service? Mm-hmm. I'm serving as long as I got eyes on you. Yeah, I'm gonna do what's right as long as you're looking. Well, if ain't nobody looking, it's whatever. I used to, um, you know, as I thought about when you said, like, it's against, you're sinning against God, you know, it's, it's personal as I go. It used to bother me probably about like three or four years ago. Even Andrew Womack, when I hear him say just things I went through at that time. He had talked about when you're sinning, you're sinning against God, between you and God. And I was still dealing really heavy with condemnation. I was very scared. So I was like, oh my God, oh my God. You know, it made me feel condemned again. But I just thought of it recently. Again, it doesn't bother me now. Like it did. I mean, you know, in the bad way, I go, it's about trusting God. It's not because you sinner, you sinned against God. It's trust me, you know. And what we talked about last week, I think, with David, where um, God had talked to him, it was like, if you wanted more, if you needed something, when you had the affair, you know, he was like, I gave you another wife. If you need this, I get it. Like, just trust me. You know, you didn't have to do something stupid to, to get something you need. And I go, that's so cool. You know, I think so many, if they knew that God had the best for them, really knew in the core, mm -hmm. we wouldn't make the same, you know, dumb mistakes we make and then have no consequences. Mm -hmm. All right. All right. God's character. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and it's like I'm, I'm trying to figure out a way to, to get deeper than that. But it really doesn't get much deeper because at the end of the day, it's about abiding in that revelation of who God is. Yes, absolutely. Because that that's the genesis of of your relationship with him, your fruitfulness, your ability to enjoy what he has and to be a blessing to other people. Because if I I can't truly forgive if I don't have that revelation of God's love for me, what he's done for me, his forgiveness for what I've done. Because if I don't have that, then it I'm I'm going to be the the, the pressure on my flesh to try to perform, it's gonna to get to a point where it's gonna it's gonna collapse. Because our wheels cannot live godly. 
especially when you're in a situation where, you know, people have done some things to you. Now, going to Ephesians 6, I just want to look at that, that verse. <clears throat> Ephesians 6, 5 through 8. All right. Uh, I'll read that in the New Living Translation. It says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching you. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember, that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. Now you see the, the, the cliff note here. Work with enthusiasm as though you're working for the Lord rather than for people. And, you know, Kimberly talked about this earlier, like understanding, having a, a God consciousness instead of a man consciousness. Because you could be at work, and I know you know Eric was talking about this before the, the, um, the session tonight, about you know how people complaining and fussing and carrying on and all this type of stuff. Now, if my only focus is on what I'm doing day to day and what, what's transpiring in the flesh, I'm gonna complain. There's plenty of things to complain about mm -hmm. in the flesh, right? But if my mind is on, okay, the Lord has been good to me, and I, I want to be a vessel for him to use, to be a blessing to people that come across my path, if that's my focus, then I'm in a better position where I can be, I can be insulated from all that negativity. Because just from a natural carnal perspective, you you don't have to turn turn your nose two inches to find something to, to be negative about, to complain about, for real. But this is where if I see Eric at Costco and he the you know the brother he's stocking the shelves and he you know doing what he do, fixing them end caps and all that stuff, he ain't saying nothing. He ain't complaining about nothing. I mean, like, what's wrong with this guy? What type of medicine he take? I need to go to his psychiatrist. Because he different. He's standing out. Because everybody else is fussing and complaining. Sour face. But as a salt, just him being who he is in the Lord, he's standing out. So if I'm feeling crappy and I'm like, look, man. I need some, you know, and I know I, I need somebody to give me some counsel or pray for me. I ain't going to go over to mm -hmm. Judy Gossip that's talking all this junk all day. I got to see what, you know, I got to talk to Eric. But his brother knows something. I think even Chris, I think it's easy to gravitate to the complaint. Like you said, we can always, you know, we, we can always get in the room with because we can find something. But like you said, this you have to make a decision and say, no, nah, I'm not going to go mm -hmm. that route. You know, I'm going to stay focused, you know. Because like you said, there's always something that you can say, okay, hey, yeah, I see what they're talking about. But you have to learn not to, even though. In your mind, you be saying, "Yeah, I'm saying what they're talking about," not to, but not to just. In some cases, you have to say, "You know what? Keep my close." Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and one like I used to have a crew work with me, and one guy complaining can turn the whole crew sets out. Yep. And when they used to complain, I say, "Come on over here. How long have you been here?" And they say three hours. And I say, "Don't you pray? Pray, go home." I wouldn't even tell them why. I just said, "Don't come back. Just go home." 
because they were affecting everybody's attitude, you know? One guy went home and had his mother call me. Please let him come back. I said, I'm sorry, I can't do it. Yeah. But I mean, just that from a practical perspective, you know, if you got a team and you got one person that is complaining and it's consistent, it ain't going to take long for that stuff to spread. It affects everybody. It's just like bacteria. Mm -hmm. One rotten apple yeah. spoils the whole thing. Yeah. Where I used to work, my former employee, place my employee, for many years, and I, I love my job. I'm one of those types of people. I, I like my I work. I work. I mean, you know, it's cool, but what I really did not like is it was very, very gossipy. I mean, nobody was safe from it, except the boss, and then when she left, new boss came. The main gossiper started talking about her too, and I go, "This is horrible." And I'm not saying I didn't get into it, but it was really it pulls you, right? mm -hmm. and then you know when you walk in a room, you know nasty, horrible things have been said about you. Nobody's safe, and you know I go to my new job. I'm not saying that humans are somewhere gossip's gonna happen, but my boss now, and I love this. She is very big about. She actually fired somebody because they kept. Consistently gossiping. Good for her. I've never been at a place where it was taken that serious. It was like she goes, "I let her know, blah blah blah." She was telling me, just confiding because of reasons. I had some other issues. She goes, "Was it this person?" She goes, "Because I let them know." She goes, "I told them once, told them twice." Nope. And I go, "It's it makes you feel like you can go." And I, this is the first job I've been in where I go, I walk in, I'm like, you "Feel safe." I feel safe. I, I want to go there not just because of work. Oh my gosh, and stay. I register, it's like, I actually like associating myself with everybody, and I enjoy it, and I go, you know, it's just really important, you know, we're saying, the negativity, mm -hmm. like Mr. G was saying, you know, keeping it out of, you know, mm -hmm. you know where you're at, you know, workplace included. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was a good boss. I'm sure you were. <laughs> they would come to work, and I, we'd only work four or five hours, and I'd pay them a whole day's pay, and I paid them every day at the end of the day. I'd wait till the end of the week. Every day they got paid, and, uh, and, uh, most of them enjoyed it. Get you back in the workforce. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, but that's godly, right? But if they came because to think, work, yeah, because think about what what that whole story about Jesus paid them. He, he paid them a day's wage, whether they started at six a.m., nine, twelve, three. Jesus yeah, he needs to talk to the school system. For thirty-three years, I got well. I'm still, and you get paid once a month. Mm -hmm. when, when Once the, a month, the last day of the month, in my very first year teaching, I started at the end of August, and I didn't get a paycheck till the last day of September. Mm -hmm. Had to work, moved here, had to get everything on no money, and work for a whole month and a week mm -hmm. with no paycheck. When my dad died, I'm having to my brother. I remember him saying, "Wait a whole month." Yep. What? Yep. I'm just thinking you went there, and you came there in that like a, a half a month. And you had to go a month and a week or something. When my dad died, uh, the Lord told me, he said, your father's only worked in the vineyard for about a minute. And, and he made it. He made it to heaven. I said, are you serious? He's there? He said, he's there. Yeah. Because yeah. I used to think, he's never going to make it. Never, never. That's real mercy. Well, he was a World War II vet. And, and he drank and smoked. And he wanted to fight everybody all the time. And uh, when I prayed for him, the Lord told me he was going to save him. And I said, how are you going to save him? Nobody can save him. He's too, he's too mean. But he did. Yeah. And that's just how good God is. And, you know, and just going back to what the psalm said, you know, God knows what, you know, your particular course and the type of things that you have been put in your way, the obstacles that you have. People might not know, but God knows what's going on with you. And just, you know, Gene talking about his dad is like men in that generation, the type of stuff you went through. Mm -hmm. It's the stuff you see. He went through World War II uh, with fighting the Japanese. So he saw stuff he couldn't even talk about, you know, because it just stirred up too much PTSD. Yeah. 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 God in his mercy. Yeah, God spoke to me. I hated him when I was a kid. And then my grandmother told me all the stuff he went through in the Marine Corps. And uh, the Lord spoke to me and said, you couldn't have walked one mile in his boots. You'd be just like him from you know, the stuff they suffered. So. Mm -hmm. 
and it, that goes back to what we talked about a few sessions ago about <clears throat> knowing no man after the flesh. Yeah. Because I can look at you and I can see, you know, what <clears throat> what I think I see in your behavior and make a judgment. <clears throat> but I don't know mm-hmm. your journey. What's behind all that? Right. Yeah. But if I'm living in a way that I'm looking at you the way God sees you, then my response to you is going to be different. But again, it takes Holy Ghost mm-hmm. just yeah. abiding in you and you you just practicing his presence every day yeah. because that stuff just don't happen. Yeah, I asked God about somebody in my family that passed away. And I love the person a lot. They had a lot of love. They did more too. They they did not. But they had a lot of there was some control and they were sometimes be a frustrating person to be around. Just some things I dealt with with unforgiveness and I, I wanted to let it go and I was talking to God and God told me, He said they're frustrated. They were frustrated with themselves. It wasn't, you know, anybody personal. They just had so much and they went through like pure hell as a child and there's a lot of situations. I knew about it, but just thinking that I know that's where compassion comes in. It's mm-hmm. like doing just saying that you don't know. But God knows, you know, right? <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So looking at our outline again, it says under the old covenant, David had his sins imputed unto him, but you and I <coughs> Live in a covenant today mm-hmm. where our sin has been imputed to Jesus. Amen. However, there's still much we can learn from God's judgment on David. Even, even though Jesus bore our punishment, we should still abhor sin and walk in integrity, knowing that it cost our beloved Savior his life. Every time we commit a sin, Jesus suffered that sin. We should want to live lives that glorify God. After God Amen. judged David, you can still see the forgiveness and grace of God in his life. God blessed his and Bathsheba's union, as we talked about earlier, and she conceived a second son who lived. God sent Nathan the prophet and renamed the son Jedidiah, which means beloved of the Lord. If you become born again while in in a totally ungodly marriage relationship, the Lord can make that relationship that was conceived in sin turned out to be godly, just like he did with David and Bathsheba. I encourage you to learn these lessons, these life lessons at David's expense rather than through your own hard knocks. May these truths take root in your life so that you too would walk like David, a man after God's own heart. So as we conclude this lesson, we just give praise for God's mercy and his grace. Absolutely. All of it, the whole David series. Phenomenal. All right, social media family. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Shalom.